Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know me. I'm I'll just I, and I talk I'll, so fast, people check their 1.5 speed repeatedly <laughs> when I'm on. So I check hey, my. do you listen? Do either of you guys do 1.5 speed when you listen to podcasts? I can't. I don't, and I listen to a ton, and I don't. I've, I've tried. Me, I can't. Me too, Dalton. I listen to a ton of podcasts, and I think it is. Like I, I think it is truly psychotic behavior to listen Weird, to things yeah. at one and a half speed. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. Good morning. It's Friday, September 30th. Welcome to the podcast sponsored by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, the makers of Lecvio in Clizerin. Dalton Del Don back for an encore performance. He was so great yesterday. We were like, you know what? Dalton, he's just he's the goat. He's on a heater. Let's bring him back for the preview. Not really. It's not quite that uh, quite that eccentric. It's actually just he's scheduled to do it. Dalton, welcome to the week four preview show, buddy. What's going on with you, man, in the last 24 hours? Yeah, not much has happened since last talking about it. I'm excited to be in the rotation this week. Uh, yeah, a lot to talk about uh, previewing week four. Yeah, week four, um, interesting slate. It does feel like a lot of good teams have matched up with each other and a lot of potentially dusty teams have matched up with each other. But there's a few of these dusty teams that are actually going to make some good uh, fantasy games here. So let's just dive right into it. And we'll start with the London game. Uh, as you know out there, folks, usually I, I order these games and like the... in you know, besides the primetime games, order of like fantasy intrigue, stuff like that. I honestly think that this first game here, even though it is like it's the London game, it's in the rotation, Viking Saints. Um, I actually kind of think there is a lot of fantasy intrigue in this particular matchup. Dalton and I are each going to give you one thing you need to know, one decision, crucial point there um, as you're setting your lineup. So we'll start here with Vikings minus three at the Saints, quote unquote, 43 and a half over under. Dalton, what do people need to know about this game? This one I wrote down, just be cautious with Dalvin Cook. You're you're starting him if he's active. For one thing, realize West Coasters, this game starts at 6.30 a.m. And he's yeah. no guarantee to please labeled himself day-to-day. And on one hand, he's put up, I believe, 200 yards from scrimmage wearing this harness before. But on the other hand... Alexander Madison, uh, and I can't pronounce the other guy's name, and Ty Chandler. They have three very kine, very capable backups there. The Saints are allowing the second lowest EPA per rush. 
By the way, also, this is a broader point, maybe because there's no actionable thing with Cook. You're probably playing him. I'm just saying temper expectations and definitely be aware that he might be a surprise inactive. Um, is the fact that Minnesota's new coaching staff that I was so excited for, Justin Jefferson, uh, through three games, they actually have a slightly lower neutral pass rate than wow. the dinosaur coaching staff of last season. It's 51% to 50%. So, uh, man, not not great. Not great, Bob. I'm I don't, not happy to see that through, through the first three weeks. No, certainly not. Um, I think, obviously, they've done more creative things schematically, like a lot more pre-snap motion, stuff like that. They're obviously playing in a lot more 11 personnel. But, yeah, this is still a team that has a great running back in Dalvin Cook. And, you know, even Kevin O'Connell, like, and, you know, offshoot from the Shanahan tree there. We know that he, you know, spent some time in Washington, everything like that. This is still a system that does want to run the ball. And even at times like McVay has been pretty conservative in terms of passing rate and stuff like that. So it just it could just be like a figuring out period from the pass rate perspective. But I do think your point is is well taken because uh, I just made this point on uh, my other on my other podcast with James Coe, you know, that. This whole idea that Justin Jefferson came out and was on the Ringer NFL show and said, like, I'm in the Cooper Cup's position. That's where I'm going to be at. Either you either have to believe two things. One, Justin Jefferson was just full of it because he has definitely not been in the Cooper Cup role. Or number two, we in the media need to take a look in the mirror about how we aggregate quotes because, you know, that's how it goes. Like he says, Cooper Cup's position, that's where I'm going to be at. He doesn't, maybe he doesn't necessarily mean like I'm going to play in the Cooper Cup role, but every goofball in the media afterwards, you know, comes out and like, Justin Jefferson's going to be in the Cooper Cup role. He said it. Here's the PFF quote graphic of via the Ringer NFL show. And like, you know, it just goes on and on and on and then becomes like an assumption. But so far, Dalton, he has absolutely not been used like Cooper Cup, period. I, I felt great about ranking him higher than Cup the first two quarters when he was lighting it up, looking wide open with that Green Bay secondary. But it's been 10 straight quarters. Of, of quietness from Justin Jefferson. Yes. So maybe the defense adjusted to whatever they came out with right away. So I don't know. I'm obviously I'd rather cup uh, moving forward and wish I had him number one and Jefferson. I'm, maybe that should be my one to look forward to. Can they get Justin Jefferson open? Because the last 10 quarters they've, they've struggled. They have struggled and we've seen kind of two different um, ways to play it, right? Like against the Eagles and Darius Slay, they just basically had Slay track him around the field. Slay is a great corner. Um, I also think it's look, Justin Jefferson, it's worth pointing out. I don't think he's played great through those first two, these these last two games. Um, you know, there's certainly been you know, not the best some some routes you can nitpick and stuff like that. Um, no receiver is flawless, even if they sometimes think they are. Um, but also then you saw in the Lions game. You know, they Jeff Okuda, who's playing really well right now, you know, we forget that he was like a, a top three NFL draft pick and really like you know, kind of fell into the mire of the Matt Patricia era. Then he had an Achilles injury, but he's played really well. They have him do a lot of press coverage with a second set of eyes on Justin Jefferson. And it is funny, like you can critique that point about Justin Jefferson, like right? He has like six targets and 14 yards, something like that. He even said after the game, like, what a that was a great team all capitals team wins because i'm sure he's probably hearing it from people that drafted him in fantasy and stuff like that but it's like oh yeah shoot the vikings did they they won that game and like adam thielen had a big game kj osborne had a big game and that's what's going to happen with justin jefferson drawing that extra attention is that other guys in this offense have to and and, and will step up yeah that's the thing is that not only thielen hasn't gone off either so yes i i do expect some adjustments to to be made but the fact that their neutral pass rate is not significantly better than the zimmer run team is just disappointing yeah. through, through three weeks no no question so what are your thoughts on the saints i'm gonna guess it involves a rookie wide receiver 
<laughs> yeah, we talked a lot about Chris Olave in our stat nerd episode, and um, you know, you should go back and listen to that if you haven't already. I mean, Chris Olave is 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 balling, man. He he looks awesome. Leads the NFL in air yards by a country mile. Um, he he looks great too. The big question here, though, for the Saints is who's going to play from an injury perspective. And you're right to point out, Dalton, that this is an early, early start for us West Coast bros. Like, hey, don't go out on the town the night before and get hammered and, um, you know, sleep through the start of this game because there's going to be a lot of injury designations, both with the Vikings running back situation and in this Saints passing game. So you need to be, hey, it's fantasy season, okay? Like, you need to put your social life aside for a second. Go out on Friday slam all the beers and all the margaritas you want on Friday night. And then you, you better focus up on, on, uh, on Saturday night so you can make the right decisions. Make sure you're staying up for those Schefter bombs and all that type of stuff. So um, my point on saying all that is that the saints have a lot of injury questions as well. Michael Thomas didn't practice on Thursday. Jameis Winston didn't practice on Thursday. Jarvis Landry did practice on Thursday. So he'll probably, I would bet he probably plays, Dalton, do you change any of your Chris Olave based expectations if Andy Dalton plays instead of Jameis Winston? Because I think there's like a right now, maybe 50 50 shot that Dalton takes Andy Dalton starts this game. I mean, on one hand, no, because Winston's playing compromise. But on the other, they're very different quarterbacks and you love lapping the league in air yards. So I would prefer Winston, uh, I would say, because you just love the opportunities that that Olave is getting. I think the second most deep targets uh, in the league. Um, but he's playing clearly injured. And at this point, it would not be a surprise if Dalton doesn't play. And the other key here is if Thomas is active or not, because if there's right. an inactive Thomas, I don't care who's quarterbacking. I'm ranking Alave as a top 20. I'm just barely outside my top 20 as is. Those opportunities are no joke. And even if Thomas is active, he's probably going to be less than 100% with this toe injury that had a mispractice, I believe, Thursday. So um, yeah, I, I wheels up for Alave no matter who's starting at quarterback. But um, I don't have a strong opinion about what, you know, I've grinded the tape enough to see what the difference is going to be but do you have an opinion on Dalton versus versus Winston and how it affects the pass catchers yeah I I may have uh I may have grinded the tape may have um yeah no I, I think Olave is a true full field player and yeah of course like with Winston he can get like I mean he you know, there are some prayer yards and there's air yards as we continue to say um but he's throwing up a lot of prayers right now and and um you know that's great is Jameis Winston. So he only needs with Winston like one or two catches to just make his fantasy day. But I think if Andy Dalton's back there, you know, we saw um, Darnell Mooney. I think this is worth pointing out that we saw Darnell Mooney last year with Andy Dalton have some of his best games, right? When he, when Andy Dalton was under center later on in the season, when Allen Robinson was also hurt or, you know, playing through injuries, but coming back from COVID, all that kind of stuff that Robinson was dealing with last year. So, um, you know, I, I think that's that's a w- worthwhile point that Darnell Mooney is a speed-based receiver. Chris Olave is like 10x time better player than Darnell Mooney and, and had his best games even with this version of Andy Dalton last year. So I, I think that because Olave is a full-field player, I wouldn't I would I would agree with you that it, it's almost no matter what who starts at quarterback, but certainly if we get no Michael Thomas, I think it's wheels up for Olave no matter what this week. And the Vikings, as we talked about yesterday, are a bottom five pass defense right now from a success rate standpoint. 160 more air yards than the next most. Pretty crazy. Mandrews, as we call him. Mark Andrews, number two, but we'll talk about him more later. But yeah, Olave just yeah. lapping the field there. And if you, Jacob Gibbs has a tweet saying basically over the last three years, the, the, the air yards leaders uh, over of the past, over the first three weeks of the season, 
frequently finishes top 10 fantasy wide receivers. So, I mean, I know it's a small sample, but historically, uh, the precedent means this is going to, they're going to finish with a big, big fantasy season. Yeah. And he's a baller too. So when the opportunity, a historical opportunity like that and talent matches up, you got something really special. These three, these top three receivers drafted this year, London, Wilson, and Olave. I mean, they're all so good and we'll see who uh, kind of emerges as the next guys. We'll, we'll probably talk about that later. I'm sure we did not expect Jaguars at Eagles three weeks ago to be uh, one of the best fantasy games of the week, but it absolutely is Jaguars at Eagles. Eagles are minus seven 47 over under Dalton. What do people need to know about this game? Basically, there's just different uh, different game scripts for the running backs that they're used to. I like it. This sets up for Travis Etienne and not as well for Miles Sanders as the Eagles have just comfortably been playing with this lead. Um, now they get uh, and he does not get targets. Now I expect this game to be relatively competitive. Jacksonville's allowed the lowest EPA per rush, just 3.1 yeah. yards per carry and only one of three teams yet to allow a rushing score. So bad matchup for for Miles Sanders, who doesn't really get the target. So I think it's, you know, he's been benefiting from these big leads in the second half. Uh, and then conversely, um, the Eagles, this is just a wild stat, but do, I, they're allowing more yards per carry than yards per pass attempt. I mean, it's a, a wow. 1.2 more, in yeah. fact. 5.4 yards per carry, 4.4 uh, yards per pass. I mean, that is just absolutely wild. Um, that's good for James Robinson. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think ETN, this, this, this sets up well as well because Jacksonville, they trailed by four points or more on um, 68% of their plays last year. This year, just 24%. So so a totally different game script. This game's going to be close. Uh, the Eagles have been, both teams have been used to be playing by, with the lead. Could be the opposite for both these, these games. Definitely going to be a closer game. So I, I think ETN's going to be more involved as a pass catcher than we've seen the first three weeks. Hopefully he can take advantage of it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great call. Um, do you think ETN's like a guy to trade for right now? I, I kind of think he is just in case James Robinson gets hurt again. And like he's kind of gotten involved a little bit more too. has ETN the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, if they Jacksonville's going to have a top three defense, um, especially if you're in a PPR league. Yeah, I mean, just the expectations have to just be moved. You know, people were drafting yeah, right. ETN in the third, fourth round. Don't expect that. But yeah, absolutely. He's going to be far more productive than he has been over the first three weeks. For sure. Um, you know, it's also worth noting that while James Robinson is obviously coming back from a serious injury, so is Travis Etienne. This is basically his rookie year uh, totally. as well. Um, and, and on the Eagles side of this, you know, it's funny, like we the, I've been gassed up about the Eagles offense. I said on the recaps show last week that I think they're the best offense in the NFC. They might just be the best team in the NFC period. Um, but it is worth noting they haven't exactly faced like a murderer's row of competition, right? Like they they play the Lions in week one. The Vikings defense is not very good. They beat them up in week two. Um, they beat up on Washington last week and Washington's past defense totally has problems. But this this Jaguars team like might be their first big test, which is crazy to say because of what we expect of the Jaguars. But the Jaguars offense looks great. And you are so right to point out that their rush defense is number one in success rate allowed. Uh, you know, they are they're right up there in a, as a pass defense too. Like, yeah, fourth this is fewest a, EPA per pass, fourth best. Yeah, yes, I mean, exactly. Like, is playing so well. Yeah. And Josh Allen, Jaguars Josh Allen, and Trayvon Walker, like those dudes get after it, you know, up front. So the Eagles have a great offensive line. I think you know, you're starting all of your Eagles fantasy players, but it is worth noting that this is kind of the first big test for Jalen Hurts and this offense. Um, I, I think for this game, the thing I'm I'm looking at is like, do the number two wor receiver workloads hold? Because we know Christian Kirk is that dude for Jacksonville. AJ Brown is that dude, period, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. But 
Devontae Smith coming off a great game last week. He he looked really good on uh, that Monday night game against the Vikings, too. Does he hold as like a starting receiver? And then uh, Zay Jones. I mean, there's like so much damn Zay Jones talk on fantasy Twitter. It's kind of unbelievable. Um, but he was still number three on the team in routes run, not by much, uh, it, to, to Marvin Jones last week. And Marvin Jones actually saw like an absurd amount of air yards, led the team in air yards last week. He leads the team in air yards through the first uh, three weeks. Like, Obviously, you know, 10 catches on 11 targets for Zay Jones, uh, four catches on seven targets for Marvin Jones. I wouldn't say that Marvin Jones has looked all that great the last two years either. Um, so I just think it's worth wondering on the whole Zay Jones thing. Like if he's going to continue to be a sleeper, I do think he has to push Marvin Jones a little farther out of the rotation here. Yeah, tougher matchup this week for Jacksonville receivers. Uh, Kirk, 78% of his routes run have been out of the slot. They've just been matching him up against the linebacker and just so, so, uh, so smart with the, his usage. But a tougher matchup this week. So I expect Jacksonville's running backs to be involved. And then quickly about that defense, man. Very frequently every year, there's defenses that are just underrated based on paper entering the year. And they can quickly change. And often it's by drafting linemen early. And, you know, they've done yeah. that the last couple of years. And I think maybe they're not as good and they benefited from schedule or whatever as a, as a top three unit but i do think we need to reevaluate and consider this jacksonville defense uh, to be one of the you know the, the uh, uh, suddenly a bad matchup as opposed to a favorable one for fantasy could not agree more let's move to bills minus three at baltimore ravens 51 and a half over under here for this game um dalton let, hit, hit me with the mandrews hype baby Man, where does he go if we had a draft today? I mean, not even just tight end uh, premium leagues. I mean, given the huge positional advantage, I mean, he's just so much better. Than, I'm, Travis Kelsey, but then you fall down to the, the third and fourth. I mean, the difference between yeah. him is so much wider than any other position. He leads all pass catchers in target share uh, just and target per route run rate, third in air yards or second, depending on which one you look at. The last 17 games, Adam Levitan tweeted 116 catches, 1,420 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, that wasn't with Lamar Jackson the whole time, who leads the NFL by a wide margin in target rate to tight ends the last five years and appears determined to win the MVP this year. I mean, just dating back from last year, Andrews, when Marquise Brown is off the field, his numbers are through the roof and it's going to be that way this whole season. So as much as we like Bateman, the target hog he's not it's not there so i mean is andrews the top three pick is he the number one overall pick i mean how high does he go in a ppr draft right now well let's put it this way uh adp from august travis kelsey was 14th overall mandrews was 26th overall kyle pitts and george kittle 33 and 37th overall neither of those is looking very good um i would i mean kittle we'll talk about that later on uh I mean, you way over 14 overall for Mark Andrews. I mean, especially with the way some of the, um, you know, some of the receivers have been fine. The first round receivers, right? Like Jefferson had his one big game. We just talked about him. Jamar Chase has been fine. He's like a positive regression candidate. Anyways, Stefan Diggs is one of the best picks you could make in the late part of the first round. The running backs there have been a bit mercurial. So, yeah, I think like Andrews would, I don't know about first or fourth overall or something like that, but I don't know. I mean, seven, six, something like that. I think he he would be pretty tempting because he's had if Kelsey was going at 14th overall, I think Andrews Mandrews has outkicked uh, expectations uh, even from what Kelsey would have done. Yeah, I think there's an argument for even higher, but certainly uh, top 10. I think he would go for sure now. And it's uh, more to come, man. It just looks like yeah. Jackson, Lamar Jackson and Andrews were the uh, the home run picks if you if you drafted them this year. And you didn't have to draft them anywhere close to their ceiling, even for Lamar Jackson, too. And look, I mean, I still think Bateman's going to have a great year, but he's going to be a bit more volatile. Whereas Andrew, I think the 
I think the the analysis was right to call like Rashad Bateman an, an obvious breakout candidate when Marquise Brown got traded, but it was also like we should have been okay. Mandrews, like he, I I still and I know both of us had Mandrews as our tight end one coming into this year, like and that was like I think it was I just think it was obvious. Like I think that 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 was definitely the obvious correct answer there. Um, I'll I'll stick on this game too and go with the Bills side of things here. My question is just do the Bills go back to their week one wide receiver distribution? Because really this is the first time that we um this is this is the first time that we're gonna see these receivers like all together in a normal condition, right? In week two, there's no Gabe Davis against the Titans. Um, you know, Jake Kumaro's running out there in the Gabe Davis role and he's he's not Gabe Davis. Week three, obviously they have that insane like Miami Heat situation going on. Like Stefan Diggs is coming in and out of the game. Um, Gabe Davis still not a hundred percent. Um, you know, he he drops a touchdown in that game. Isaiah McKenzie balls out, but is that all just due to the heat? So yeah, I think that's the big question is just the Bills like wide receiver distribution because nobody is getting less out of their running game right now than the Buffalo Bills. One thing to note, uh, the Ravens are allowing the second most targets to running backs this year, 11.3 targets to running backs. So maybe Singletary is uh, active, involved that way, but that's a, just a guessing game at this point. So this is going to be a great DFS matchup here when debating between which quarterback to, to pay up for, Allen or Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but it's kind of worth noting that the the Bills have allowed the second fewest yards per play this season, while the Ravens have allowed the second most yards per right. play this season. So, I mean, these defenses are playing diametrically opposite. But, of course, Buffalo's dealing with a number of injuries as well. But hopefully this is this high scoring back and forth and, and both quarterbacks light it up. Yeah, it should be. It should be. I, I feel pretty good about that. All right, next game up here, we got Chargers minus seven at the Houston Texans, 44 and a half over under. Maybe I've got this game ranked a little too high, but it is intriguing from a Chargers perspective, right? Because they're so banged up right now. Um, you know, we were talking about it before the show. It doesn't really matter who the coach is. Doesn't matter who the front office is. Doesn't matter who the players are. The best, like the Chargers lose players to injuries at an absurd rate every year. And it's always like their best players get hurt. Like Joey Bosa, we know is out for some time. Rayshon Slater going to miss the rest of the season. There's injuries elsewhere on the offensive line with Corey Lindsley. You know, JC Jackson, he's not like his ankle injury isn't his ankle surgery isn't responding. There's inflammation in the ankle that he just got surgically repaired. Like, and we know Justin Herbert's got you know, busted up ribs or whatever. So um, my big question though here is just like, how much work does Keenan Allen get if he is healthy? Because I think Keenan Allen, like this might be the last chance you have to, to buy him low because I think the chance, you know, he's coming off injury, whatever. I think just the way the chargers receivers look right now and the way the offensive line is banged up, it just sets up for Keenan Allen to just get like 12, 13, 14 targets every single week. It really does. Yeah, totally. They're not, they can't run the ball successfully. No other receiver emerged. Um, I shouldn't be such a Keenan Allen hater. I'm just an ageist, but he's a local you are guy. An ageist, yeah. Local Cal guy, you know. I mean, yeah, he's just going to probably eat out of the slot. Hopefully he returns fully healthy and it's not one of these, you know, uh, soft tissue injuries that re yeah, recurs. That's true. But, but um, yeah, no, I like. I like him in this, uh, and if he can return to, to immediately going back to being yeah, a wide receiver one for your fantasy team. Um, and then Josh Palmer, do you have any thoughts on him while, while, we're, while we're here? No, I, d okay. I don't. Um, <laughs> they, uh, I, I don't have any uh, thoughts other than, like, uh, if you could read between the lines of, um, I think Keenan Allen's going to eat 12, 13, 14 targets yeah, yeah, every single yeah, week. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Based on the construction of the Chargers' other receivers and the way that offense is played, over the last few weeks, 
I think Keenan Allen, the best separation receiver on this roster by three or four country miles. Okay. Like he's going to, yeah, you can, you can get my thought on Josh Palmer there. Um, what, what about the running backs here, Dalton? Because, you know, for all of the like, you know, freak out about Austin Eckler. He is getting a lot of um, receiving usage. And, you know, that's another thing that could continue here as well with all of these offensive line injuries, but their running game is, is, I mean, it's, it's rough, really rough right now in the, with the chargers. So I made Texans my best bet this week. I liked it more, obviously, before the spread moved from seven down to five and a half. Uh, and I say that because I expect this to be a close game or game script wise for Damian Pierce. 35 carries to just three the last two weeks with Rex Burkhead, three goal line carries. Yes, two fumbles, but Lovey Smith has said he's not going to punish him for that. Two really nice plays as a receiver last week. I repeatedly say Davis Mills plays so, so much better at home. So many injuries on the Chargers defense. It's really going to help there. And then conversely, I mean, Eckler's going in the opposite direction. Um, it's not all his fault by any stretch of the imagination. And he is facing a Texans defense that's allowed the second most fantasy points. But uh, man, Ian Harditz uh, tweeted this. Austin Eckler's PPR rank this season is 31 in quarters yeah. one through three. It's RB3 in the fourth quarter. So I just don't know how sustainable all those drop dump offs are in the fourth quarter, saving his PPR value. The lowest running back explosive rush rate this season was 0%, lowest yards per carry, lowest yards per catch. Those are all three Austin Eckler. So again, not all his fault by any stretch of imagination. It's not like Sony Michelle's dominating or something. Uh, yeah. It's something. And Corey Lindsley hurt the center. Uh, Slater left tackle down. I mean, this is a, a, a coaching questions. Uh, so a yes. lot, lot going on in LA there. A lot going on. And it's not, not a lot positive. Not a lot positive, that's for sure. <laughs> if you could say one thing, they're probably going to be in these like fourth quarter comeback situations quite often, right? So uh, at least you could say that because this team doesn't look very good on paper, at least based on the expectations. Like, I mean, the Chargers were talking like Super Bowl, you know, contenders this year. Like, oh, we got all the guys around uh, uh, around Justin Herbert now, and this um, now it's looking like a potential just they got to get this thing right fast, or it's going to be a lost season here quickly because of all the injuries. Damian Pierce, though, um, I. Damien Pierce, so we talked about him a little bit on yesterday's show. Um, I feel pretty good about him coming into this game. Yeah, I just, I really like it. I'm, like I said, dominating the carries over Burkhead recently. And um, not the Chargers have so many injuries they're dealing with. Expect this to be a close game. And Pierce just passes the eye test, man. Burkhead's yeah. still there for the, so the, the passing down work and all that. But man, I just, I really think for Pierce, it's coming. He's going to cash in some of these goal line opportunities. And uh, man, it's just so, so clear when he's on the field versus Burkhead that there's just a uh, way more explosion. And man, I'm telling you, Houston just plays far better at home. It's, a, I don't, I don't know what it is with, with Davis Mills, but his home road splits are just absolutely dramatic. Yes. He's looked really, really bad at times this year. I totally get it. But for whatever it is, he just plays better in Houston. You know, it's funny too, like the Chargers make all these upgrades on their defense or they bring in Khalil Mack. And obviously now, of course, they're going to be missing um, Joey Bosa. Like the drop off from Bosa and Mack to the rest of the like edge defenders there, for, especially from a run perspective, is 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 rough. And Jerry Tillery still on this team. Like Kenneth Murray is still on this team. These guys like and they're they're getting beat up by opposing uh, offenses at this point. So we'll see, man. Uh, I think this could be this. The, Texas got to show us something from a passing game standpoint as well, too. Brandon Cooks has like by far the lowest catch rate of his career at this point. So uh, let's move on to uh, another game here. Seahawks at Lions. Lions minus four and a half, 48 over under. Dalton, this got to be the Jamal Williams show this week, huh? 
Yeah, man. I mean, he was the number three fantasy back last week. Uh, do you know that Williams is actually the number seven fantasy back this season? He's been on my bench the whole That's year insane. in that league we're in together. I didn't realize he's doing that that well. All the it's all the goal line work, man. But anyway, now he takes over for DeAndre Swift. Yes, there will be Craig Reynolds. We'll absolutely see work here. But man, he's uh, he ranks first in carry. Williams ranks first in carries inside the ten and inside the five this year. He's a capable receiver as well. And Amon Ross St. Brown is battling. An ankle injury. Detroit is first in pace. Uh, Seahawks are allowing 4.9 yards per carry, the third most rushing scores. Detroit's actually home favorites. So, I mean, you like the game script there. So um, it doesn't always work so perfectly. You know, the backup comes in. And again, there will be Craig Reynolds. But, man, on a Detroit team that loves to run the ball with the defense and Amon Ross St. Brown battling injury, it really looks like a perfect setup here for Williams. Any concern that, like, you know, last year when DeAndre Swift went down, um, Jer- Jamal Williams is just kind of like, eh, whatever, uh, in those replacement games. Some concern, but again, they're home favorites. They opened as near touchdown favorites, and Goff is playing. I mean, they're playing pretty well, and I, I just think this is a different setup. Even Hawkinson is banged up. Josh Reynolds and Chark are all questionable, too. So I could just see a real uh, projected a heavy workload. Against, even though Seattle doesn't run any plays on their offense, their opponents do. So I, I don't know. I just think this setup here just looks looks nice. Yeah, just worth just worth remembering. For sure, it's um, worth remembering. Like yeah. I said, sometimes it's not always a perfect like you know replacement like that. But man, looking at these other questionable uh, running back matchups, and I mean, I just ranked him super aggressive. I put Williams as my RB five this week. Yeah, he's tapped out at a ceiling of RB twenty in um, the three games that DeAndre Swift missed in P- in full PPR, like RB twenty. Uh, so you know, well, he's RB seven this year with Swift playing. So I know, yeah, no, I, I think he's are doing the, the he's doing the hump, he's doing the key and peel sketch, getting fifteen yard penalties, yeah. dancing afterward. Come on, man, don't quit this Jamal Williams hate. Come on, I'm, hey, listen, let me tell you what, buddy, he is like. If Christian McCaffrey sits, he's about to be my RB1 on one of my dynasty teams. So I am rooting for Jamal Williams hard in this game here. Um, Okay. On the Seattle side, super clear in the past game, right? Like it's, it's the DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett show. It's like nothing has really changed. Just there's a little bit less ceiling in the offense because Russell Wilson has a great deep ball theoretically. Uh, And, you know, like those guys are, but I think both these guys are still like flex plays Lockett and, and Metcalf. Uh, this is a pretty good matchup, um, it, but then it's not clear at all in the running game. They did just put Travis Homer on IR to the Seattle Seahawks and, you know, Kenneth Walker had a lot of targets last week. Uh, he actually has been targeted on 75% of his routes run so far this year, but he's still like way down in terms of, in terms of actual routes run. So it's just kind of weird there uh, with the Kenneth Walker thing. Any interest in any of the backs here at all? Or is it just like Tyrell Lockett, DK Metcalf, log out, forget the rest of the Seahawks? Yeah, it's the latter. I mean, I'm still stashing my guy Penny, but you can't use him uh, now unless you're desperate and you're starting fantasy lineups. Um, Seattle is just so funny. Their pass rate is like 10% higher this year without Russell yeah. Wilson. Um, it's just uh, really funny. Love this matchup here. So Derek Cardi's the blitz. He projects Geno Smith to be the fourth highest scoring quarterback this week behind only Hertz, Allen, and Jackson. Loves the setup here and the and their pass happy ways and obviously the Lions indoors. So uh, Geno might be an underrated DFS option if you're looking to punt. 
Lions are 24th in dropback success rate allowed and dead last in rushing success rate allowed. So, um, yeah. All right, Rashad Penny, 120 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, it'll be like it's like a, like a 2021 all over again. Um, Browns minus one and a half at the Atlanta Falcons, 49 and a half over under. We both basically said kind of that like had similar thoughts here. Mine was these are two very concentrated teams. Like we know who's going to get the football on these two teams. And yours was this is a sneaky strong DFS matchup. Which so basically we're kind of on the same train here is that this looks like an underrated fantasy game yeah speaking of uh sneaky dfs Brissett is the stone minimum on yahoo 20 dollars salary the falcons have allowed the 10th most fantasy points to qbs third most passing touchdowns amari cooper went from uh-oh week one in oh, cleveland yeah. to wow way up there in target share and just looking top five in target share and third in air yardage share this season even with the quiet week one and now he plays the first game indoors a really nice matchup. So, yeah, Drake London, you look at all the nerd stats. He's getting the targeted like crazy on play action and on first down. Both of those are worth nearly 20% more than your regular target. Um, last week, you know, you look at the box score. It's like, oh, he only got six targets. Well, Mariota only threw it 20 times. I yeah. Mean, th this week, Nick Chubb may be running all over. If I'm wrong about Brissett, then Nick Chubb's going to you know score three touchdowns. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game indoors and a lot, a lot of fantasy points on both sides. Uh, love, love the Drake again this week. And, you know, one of these weeks, Kyle Pitts will have a full big four quarters. Last week, it was a big first half and then a quiet second. Yeah, uh, that's the problem with the with the with the, the Falcons is just that there's not enough like pass volume for these guys both to eat, eat in one week. But they can both be playable. Kyle Pitts can be playable like he was last week. Nobody better turn their nose up at 87 yards uh, for your tight end. And, you know, Drake London also got in the box last week, too. So. And this is just if there like ever a good was week, it might be this one though. If the, yeah, both these right, teams right. rank top five in combined points allowed per, per games this year, both these teams. So for what it's worth, if there ever is a week that both can be fantasy uh, blowups, it might be this one. Yeah, weirdly, the the Browns' pass defense has like not been that good. Like they've allowed, and I mean, look, they haven't even had a very good. They haven't had a lot of like tough teams that they face, right? They played Joe Flacco Jets, and they played Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers. Like, give me a break. The last two weeks, and and Baker, they played freaking Baker Mayfield a week one. So, and even yeah. still, I think their pass defense has been disappointing. Miles Garrett, we know, is like had a serious yes. car wreck too. Great so, call. like, I forgot to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would. I'm not expecting him to play in this game, but maybe he does either way. Like they're without Jadavian Clowney. He's been missing time too. So um, yeah, no, I think that like this sets up really well for the Falcons. It sets up really well for the Falcons and, and, and on the Brown side too. Yeah. Just like David and Joku is back in our lives, man. I feel like such a jackass for dropping him in one league um, after being so excited for him. And you know, he's way off the waiver wire at this point. I got to rock with Gerald Everett. Um, who's at least he's yep. faster than some of the Chargers receivers. I saw how he went for one NFFC league. Vlad Sedler said for $801 out of a thousand uh, in Joku this week. And I get it. You know, part that is explains how weak yeah. the waiver wire is throughout fantasy football right now. I mean, it yeah. is barren. If you're lucky enough to get Khalil Herbert, congrats. But a lot of leagues out there, there's absolutely nothing. My hot take of the week is Marcus Mariota outscores uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think he's going to wow. a really nice fantasy matchup. And he's running the ball more than people realize. And I, I really like, I mean, Mariota's fumbling like crazy. And he may not be the starter for, you know, for, the whole second half of the year, but I think he's going to have a real nice fantasy game uh, this week, whereas Mahomes has a tough setup. I think he's played well enough to hold off a third-round rookie, um, but that's a that's another 
another talking point. Would you rather? I know we're recording this on Thursday. Eight point one so. YPA. I agree. No, I think Mariota's yeah. been fine. I just hear a lot of hate, and I just maybe I'm just buying it. He make he still just makes a ton of mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. would you rather play Tua on Thursday night, which people are going to hear this on Friday morning? So mm-hmm. LOL. But this is definitely just not my personal question for my fans. Team, would you rather pick up Mariota off the waiver wire or play Tua tonight? I have t- uh, Mariota ranked higher this week. Oh great! Well, that's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun next few hours for well, me. What about when right. you? Yeah, when you mean Mario's gonna go? I mean, so now Tua will go crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I hate talking about the games already have it, but yeah. But what it, for what it's worth, the Bengals have allowed just the, for me. This is Bengals just for have me. allowed the fifth fewest EPA per pass this year. So if, if Tua goes nuts tonight, then all the more props to him playing injured on a short week. Oh, terrific! All right, Commanders at Cowboys. Cowboys are three and a half point favorites. Forty-one and a half over under. This is, I mean, weak over under here, which makes sense. Uh, my thing here is, can we avoid another like Wentz wagon goes in the gutter game, like the wagon just careens right off the road? Because that's pretty much what we got last week. Like, <laughs> oh my God, Carson Wentz! It was funny because there's a few Commanders fans after the first couple games are like, "All right, three hundred, you know, plus yards." Like he's slinging it around, and then it's like, "Oh right." He's Carson Wentz, and he's going to have those games where he absolutely just puts you in the gutter. And that's pretty much what we got last week to the point that, you know, Jahan Dotson, two catches on eight targets. Curtis Samuel gets a ton of targets, but they, you know, they're a little three yard a dot. Give me a break type of targets. Terry McLaurin actually managed to go over 100 yards, but it was, you know, in desperation mode there late in the game. So uh, that's kind of my question here. Cowboys, not exactly like the softest landing spot either. They pressured the absolute hell out of Daniel Jones on Monday night. And Carson Wentz, not exactly the cleanest guy, went under pressure. That was such a weird game last week. I think the Eagles only scored in the second quarter, yet won eased comfortably. And I just expected Carson Wentz more of the same garbage time stats. So you got to impress with the Eagles' defense, not even allowing any prevent stuff there. Could definitely be, be ugly against the Dallas pass rush. This game was my weakest uh, thing to look for. It was like Dalton Schultz's availability because tight end is, yeah. is so so bad. CeeDee Lamb, I just we talked about him, and I moved him up to my wide receiver, I think, six this week. I'm back in. Rush looks uh, capable, and he's getting all the targets. So, you know, playing indoors so uh yeah I, this 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 matchup is not not too exciting for me yeah can, can Wentz stay upright and how many turnovers basically will he commit yeah Washington is 25th and drop back EPA allowed like Jack Del Rio has not figured that uh thing no, out no. yeah not figured a lot out has Jack Gallup maybe Gallup season de- debut yes. something to pay attention to you know but I mean yeah. don't use him right away don't use him right no, away. no no but I do think he's worth stashing because like yeah his his like being fully back will probably intersect with when Dak comes back. Although Rush is playing well enough at this point, like I don't think they, I don't think they should rush Dak back. But that's a, you know, I don't know. Who knows what the Cowboys will do? It, you know, if Cooper Rush beats Washington, Jerry Jones might waltz into the, <laughs> you know, waltz into the coaching, uh, coaching room and be like, hey, we're playing, uh, we're playing, we're playing Cooper Rush going for it. Who, who the hell knows? Dallas Cowboys, give me a break. Totally. All right. Speaking of break, Dalton and I are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll preview the rest of the week four games. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, Dalton, Jets at Steelers, Steelers minus three, 41 and a half over under. Um, I issued a public apology to Geno Smith because I said many times uh, during the offseason that the Seahawks were running out an unserious quarterback situation for this year. The Steelers 
because they have now taken that title over. I apologize to Geno Smith, who's played pretty well this year. The Steelers, although they have a promising young guy on the bench, and like the Seahawks had Drew Locke on the bench, which is you know why it was so unserious. They're just rolling with Mitch, man, and it feels like. It feels not good, but so neither one of us have like a Steelers note for our things to know because it's just like <sighs> you start Deontay Johnson because he gets a 30% target share. No, literally, you know, <laughs> the snow, rain, whatever. It doesn't matter. Quarterback like, you know, freaking a cat could go out there and, and start for the Steelers at quarterback and they throw the ball, you know, with their damn tail 30% of the time to, to Deontay Johnson. But um, so it really it's about the Jets um, and, and you've got a note on the running back here. Well, I'll say real quickly about Deontay Johnson. I moved him up. This the Jets are a severe pass funnel D for what it's worth. EPA, uh, good against the rush, bottom three against the pass. So it's a nice setup yeah. for Deontay Johnson to actually maybe do something with his dozen targets. But uh, so love Brees Hall, but briefly let's talk about the quarterback switch here. So Joe Flacco targeted 26% of his attempts to uh, to running backs. And I heard this stat, I'm not sure if it's true, but the most pass attempts in NFL history over the first three games, Flacco, I mean, that's pretty wild. Oh, yeah. And last year, <laughs> Last year, comparatively, uh, Zach Wilson targeted his running backs 18%. So that's going to drop. But Brees Hall, he's one of only five running backs seen six-plus targets a game. Looks really good. He's up there in explosive run rate, too. I believe uh, fourth in the league. Um, so this rookie's getting more, uh, more and more snap share percentage higher as the season has progressed. So I'm ready for him to take off. And uh, Pittsburgh D missing uh, Watt is not uh, you know the elite unit it once was. So uh, love Brees Hall and uh, Deontay Johnson in this matchup specifically yeah Brees Hall is interesting because I think you could start to t- he leads the NFL in targets per route run 35 percent wow um, which wow. is just insane I mean he's he's the number two guys are Jalen Waddle and Mandrews so like that's the company that Brees Hall keeps as a receiver now it's worth wondering right does does any of that stay when Joe Flacco gets out of there I honestly have no idea um, I, I really don't know they are getting him like for a running back downfield ish targets like you know Javante Williams is the second highest running back in targets per route run and he's at minus one air yards per target Brees Hall for comparison is 4.2 air yards per target so that that is there that's pretty that's like prime David Johnson type of stuff right and this is the middle and end of the season is when rookie running backs really start to like separate from the crowd. If they're going to like David Johnson, great example there, you know, was playing behind dusty Chris Johnson because Chris Johnson could read the blocking scheme better and all this type of, you know, stuff. And then, Oh, lo and behold, they start playing David Johnson towards the end of the season. And he starts ripping that thing up. So, um, Brees Hall, I think is a really good buy. Um, but I do, I'm, I'm interested in the receiving workload as well with Zach Wilson back there. And yeah, my, my thing is just oh, yeah. like, what is the what about talk about receiving workload? What does the passing offense period look like with Zach Wilson? Uh, uh, you know, it, it is funny. I saw another Ian Hardis reference here. Um, a lot of Ian Hardis pop on the pod. Um, he said like you know Elijah Moore truthers. I'm paraphrasing here. Last year was like uh, it, it, Elijah Moore. Look at how good he is when Zach Wilson doesn't play, and now it's like Elijah Moore truthers. Like oh. Now this is gonna unlock Elijah Moore because Zach Wilson is back and like yeah you <laughs> you kind of have I to- sheepishly raised my hand when I read that tweet. Oh yes. man, I re- <laughs> I replied I literally just replied hey man like, come on like don't don't call us out like that but yeah like here here's the thing about the Jets receivers Elijah Moore is very very good he's a very very good player 
Garrett Wilson might be like a transcendent talent. That's how good he has been through the first three weeks. And that's how good his separation looks. That's how good he looks in the open field. No kidding. That's why he went 10th overall in the damn NFL draft. But um, are, do you, do you want to start either of these Jets receivers with Zach Wilson's you know first game back? The, the Steelers' pass defense hasn't been as great as as it typically is. They've, they've had uh, issues. They're missing TJ Watt overall. They're 23rd in, in dropback success rate allowed. I have them both as uh, wide receiver threes. Yes, inside uh, my, I have them uh, mid early thirties. One thing I note about Garrett Wilson is they're using him out of the slot quite a bit, oh, and yeah. that is where Zach Wilson really he was top three in tar- in target rate to the slot for what it's worth as a rookie. So that might be a nice setup for him as well. But Wilson's up there in end zone target leaders this year as a rookie. I mean, it's just so impressive. We talked about it yesterday, but this setup, even Michael Carter's good. I br- I bring up Brees Hall, but between their running backs and those two receivers and their cornerbacks. Uh, the Jets have the most impressive young uh, units in the league. Let's see if Zach Wilson can take advantage of it now. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, I agree. We need to we need to see it. All right. Next one here. Broncos at Raiders. Raiders are two and a half point favorites. Forty five and a half over under. Hey, all that all that bloviating, all that talk we did about the damn AFC West uh, in the offseason. Like, wow, this division. Wow. It's going to ever fireworks every single week. And now I'm looking at these two teams. I'm like. Um, thank God this is not on Sunday Night Football or something again. Yeah, no doubt. No, absolutely. It's uh, I, have a, I have a hot take here, though. So watching yeah, these let's two, hear it. Watching these two Broncos receivers, I admit that that Sutton just looks more like the alpha just for the eye test so far through three weeks. But I think this is the quiet week that Jerry Judy smashes here. All right. So I, I said to give him a pass the last two weeks. He was not he left injured. Then he was not playing a full complement of snaps when he was dealing with this rib injury, not practicing. Well, he is back practicing fully this week. He's not labeled on the injury report. He was a top 12 PPR receiver in week one. And now here's the key. He faces a, a, a pass funnel Raiders defense has allowed the second most fantasy points to the slot. Judy's run uh, 66% of his routes there. Uh, they've allowed the second fewest fantasy points to outside receivers where Sutton's run 85% of his routes. It doesn't always work that way, but playing indoors, uh, I think it's a kind of a nice setup against the Raiders defense. Again, of course, it doesn't work out this way. Normally, I like to avoid these cornerback matchup stuff, but this is the week I'm going to say Judy smashes. Hey, I don't hate it, man. Um, I still think, yeah, when you watch these guys, like it's clear that Sutton, like he doesn't really get separation. And I think that's a problem, like in the long term. You know, he's been getting a ton of targets the last two weeks. No kidding. He's like the only healthy, functional Broncos receiver out there. Like they're not really playing Alberto anymore. His route participation drops every single week. That's a bunch of goofball tight ends. You know, Kendall Hinton catches the big like improv pass, uh, you know, when Russell Wilson finally scrambled around in the pocket. Uh, this Broncos offense stinks like the no Russ's best play right now is throwing a fastball to Javante Williams out of the backfield like it, somebody tweeted me the gif of um when I pointed that out on Twitter somebody tweeted the gif of um Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite like rocking in the, the 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 football at Napoleon on the on the bike and that's basically what Javante Williams targets from Russell Wilson look like right now he's just like throwing heaters to to out of, dump when has Russell Wilson ever been a dump off guy out of the backfield Anyways, so I'm with you that like Jerry Judy, like they need him to step up. I don't know that Jerry Judy's a great receiver himself, um, but I think there's just so much room beyond Sutton and for somebody to step up here. 
man, there was a lot of hype of his route running and coming from college. There was, I, you don't think it's overrated. that though for for Judy? Overrated. Yeah, okay, all right. All right. For overrated. one game, I think out of the slot, he can eat in this perfect setup. Then conversely, though, do you realize that the Broncos? Yes, a favorable schedule has helped, but they have not allowed a top twelve fantasy QB or a top twenty four fantasy running back or receiver this season. Their defense, for what it's worth, yeah, their defense is good. Like they haven't, yeah, you, know, you said schedule hasn't been great. <laughs> <laughs> you'd think that their offense would perform better with this schedule not being as great as it is. But um, yeah, no, the, the, the schedule is favorable, but their defense, I think, is legit good. Like Pat Sertan is a baller, man. Like, you know, at the cornerback position, he uh, was up in Brandon Ayuk's grill on several of those poorly timed Jimmy Garoppolo throws. Ayuk got the better of him, and of course, Jimmy misses him. I'm not saying this because I'm tilting about it or anything, but just pointing it out. Um, yeah, for me, too, in this game, uh, honestly, it's just like Mac Collins. <laughs> is this really going to be a thing? It better not be. It looks like Renfro, uh, is he continuing to miss practice too? But yeah, I mean, career journeyman, you got to figure that Adams is going to go back to getting his. And there's still Waller there, and this is a tough matchup. So no, I'm not starting Hollins with confidence, but um, pretty crazy. To, yeah, what a, what a DFS slate breaker last week he was. All right, next game up, Titans at Colts. Colts minus 342.5 over under. This, These two teams are really, really straightforward, Dalton. We mostly know who like who gets the ball, who plays in these two, uh, especially the Colts, man. Uh, but we do both want to talk about some rookie receivers, so you hit me first. Just quickly, Traylon Burks. I know last week I said it's coming out party. Maybe I was one week early. Colts have a pass funnel defense, ranks bottom five in EPA per pass, top five in EPA per rush. And if they're they're allowing an NFLO 2.6 yards per carry. He's getting a lot of targets per route run rate. Let's just see a bigger opportunity Sunday. Yeah, let's see if he can run other, like something other than a crosser against zone coverage. That would be so. Nice. You're skeptical, okay? So you're still skeptical. You, you don't I think say, he's, I say I say that, and he'll probably go out and have the big game that you're talking about. But I'm just telling you, like, it's still it, it's still obvious why they don't want to give him a for, full workload because he's a developmental player. He's learning a whole new position, Dalton. Like from what he did in college. So I think this it's just defense worth they're that. facing is going to force them to pass far more than usual. So it's also going to be very yes. interesting to see if Derrick Henry, who had the career high in targets last week, after I go on yes. Fantasy Football Live and talk about how he's someone to panic over, yeah. uh, even though I said that matchup was good last week. But now if he it's another perfect matchup for him to see a bunch of work in the receiving game, and we would have to readjust all of our priors if that became. I mean, then. I don't care how what his foot, you know, exactly. He may not be, he doesn't have to be 60% of the former running back. He could be super valuable if he suddenly becomes a, a pass catcher. 100%, man. Um, my thing for this game is rookie receiver as well. Does Alec Pierce continue to rise? Like, we need to stop playing Paris Campbell, okay? Like, the fact that Paris Campbell is now healthy all the time is just revealing the fact that he's actually not that good of a wide receiver. Alec Pierce, I think, might be a good wide receiver. He has the highest uh, air yards per target on the team in his in his return last week from a Week 2 concussion. Um, only runs, you know, 20 routes, you know, way down there compared to Michael Pittman or Paris Campbell, but... I think the Colts need an extra dimension in the passing offense right now. I mean, I love, obviously, I believe Michael Pittman's like a true top 15 alpha receiver, but, um, you know, they need a second guy. Just Pierce can, you know, emerge as that player. And, you know, he's might be a guy that we're picking up off waiver wires in a few weeks. So just keep his name on your radar. Uh, next game up here, Cardinals at Panthers. Panthers are one and a half point favorites, 42 and a half over under. It is worth noting as we're recording this right now, we're getting reports from Adam Schefter, from Joe Person of The Athletic, who's covered the team forever. Christian McCaffrey not at Panthers practice during the open media portion for the second straight week uh, with a quad injury. Now, obviously, CMC said a couple of weeks ago, like he could go to and take a leak and be on the injury report. Well, it sounds like he's got a little more than a leak uh, situation going on here with the uh, 
with the quad uh, injury. So I don't know, man. Worth monitoring. Uh, I, I've had a few people ask me, you know, who's the who's the pickup? Is it Chuba Hubbard? Is it Donta Foreman? Um, if if Christian McCaffrey doesn't go, let me tell you what. I don't want the RB one of this Panthers offense that, as we talked about yesterday, is thirty first and plays run despite being the fastest offense in the NFL. If his name is not Christian McCaffrey, agreed. I've ignored the backup situation here. Does this mean more targets for our guy DJ Moore? There's some concern I mean, over Jesus, By- Byron Murphy, but uh, this this Arizona defense just two sacks, fifth most fantasy points allowed outside receivers that's where Moore's run 77 of his routes this year so is this the week or if it's ever going to happen 32nd in drop back success rate allowed the Arizona Cardinals like it has to be this week but the thing is can Baker Mayfield just put on his big boy pants and play well like I don't want to hear Matt Rule like at his press conference today saying well the receivers got to get better separation you know if you get open you get the ball it's like Matt Rule, shut up, man. Like, your quarterback stinks. Everybody that's watching it can tell that he is playing horribly. And it's like, you can make any excuse you want, but just come out and say, like, this the, on our third try here, we've probably struck out uh, at the quarterback position. So, um, Baker Mayfield just has to play well, period. That's the, that's the deal. That's the deal. That's the analysis with DJ Moore. Like, and, and I mean, obviously, there's, there's issues with the structure and the design of the offense and the way they use him. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and can I, I uh, quickly quickly pump the brakes on Kyler Murray this week too? Yes, another another guy I'd rather have uh, Marcus Mariota starting over. His five point six YPA is better only than Mitch Trubisky's, and he's played every game indoors. Put differently, second in pass attempts, twelfth in yards. Uh, this week matchups a low total. Um, Arizona ranks last in pace, bought toward the bottom of the league in pre snap motion and play action. So it's not all Murray's fault either. Donkey coaching. Um, I mean, this he's benefited so much. This Cardinals team has trailed 31 to zero after the first quarter of games or first three weeks. Oh so God. he's just really benefited from game script too. he's curtailed his rushing after signing the big contract. Forty percent fewer carries, 45 percent fewer rushing yards per game compared to his prior marks. Um, so, yeah, now they travel to play an early game outdoors against the Carolina defense, allowing just 5.9 YPA. So a fourth fewest points to fantasy QBs. So, yeah, no thanks to Kyler Murray this week. Yeah, not not ideal. Uh, all right, next game up, Patriots at Packers. Packers, 10-point favorites, 40-and-a-half over under. Mac, Mac Jones is out there saying, like, hey, he, uh, I might. You know, I might play. I might go, whatever. We'll see. Uh, my big thing for this game is does Romeo Dobbs hold as the wide receiver one for this team? You know, I thought what was interesting going back and watching that game is just how often Romeo Dobbs is, like, the first read for Aaron Rodgers, especially early in the game. And, like, you know, they were really complimentary about him after the game. Um, I think Dobbs, like, should be on every single wave or should be on every single, like, roster. He should be rostered in 100% of leagues, all that stuff. And, like, he, there's a chance he might just be the best receiver on this team right now. He's 100% the, the receiver I would prefer to roster the most on the Packers is Dobbs. Hopefully that was a sign of things to come last week. Uh, uh, quickly, I want to talk about the, the New England backfield. Don't it's hard to decipher who's the lead here. It just appears that Damian Harris and Stevenson are rotating series. So you cannot pay attention to snap percentage like most situations here, because that is just dependent on how long that specific drive happened to happen. So consider this an even split right now for the time being. And quick, quickly, I want your advice on the Packers as a sur- possible survivor option. This just seems oh like boy. there there's no other teams really alternatives but does this seem like an obvious trap game going against Belichick? You know, they just beat the Bucks, and then they play in London the next week and you're facing a backup quarterback. I mean, how many glaring red flags of a trap game is this or am I overthinking it? I think you might be overthinking it a little bit. I mean, Brian Hoyer is probably more um, 
more qualified to be the quarterback coach on this team. Uh, more, maybe more qualified to be the more offensive oh, coordinator on this you're team. You're jinxing than me. Is. Stop it. You're jinxing me. I, <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it's in comparison to the guys who are actually the quarterback coach and um and and offensive coordinator that I'm kind of saying that about Brian Hoyer. But uh, yeah, still, I don't know. I, th- I think you're probably overthinking it a little bit. New I England also it. among the bottom of the teams in play action this year too. But those new, which is new crazy because weren't they supposed to be installing like a Shanahan offense this year? Wasn't that like Matt Patricia with his big football brain was going to come in there, even though he's a no offensive experience? Like he's a sharp guy. He's going to install the Shanahan scheme, and they don't run any play action. Yeah. yeah. Ugly. Yeah, give me a break, New England. Um, Bears at Giants last game before we move to the primetime games. Ay, yeah, yeah. 39 and a half over under. One of these teams, Dalton, is going to be three and one by the end of this game. Wow. That is wild. Justin <laughs> Fields is throwing an interception on 8.9% of his passes and taking a sack on 18.2% of his dropbacks. That's that's uh, not great. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones isn't much better either. I mean, they're they're they're, they're no, both no, fundamentally no. broken, as they like to say. Both these quarterbacks are, are are really their trajectories are looking poor, and the poor you know your Sterling Shepard injury is not going to oh, help out dude. either, man. Just just brutal. It's just Pew. the running backs for me here. My guy Barkley, and then is David Montgomery going to suit up because Khalil Herbert yeah. looks like a fantasy beast? It was just waiting to happen. Man, he looks good. I mean, they the Bears have dropped back 66 times. I almost feel like regardless of whether David Montgomery, 66 times in, in three games, Dalton. Like when you look at the other guys who have dropped back like that few amount of times, it's like Jimmy G, Trey Lance, Cooper Rush, and Dak Prescott. What's the, what's the, who doesn't look like the other? And the, the one guy has started three, all three games in that, in that mix. It's unbelievable. Um, th- There might be a chance like Dave Montgomery, even if he plays, Khalil Herbert can still be a, like a fantasy asset because they just don't want to throw the ball at all. Last point here, Justin Fields. This comes from Graham Barfield. Justin Fields has 23 completions, and he's taken 11 sacks through three games. The last time that a quarterback started his first three games with fewer than 25 completions and 10 or more sacks was David Carr in 2005. Tim Couch in 1999 was the last quarterback to do it before Carr. So I also saw a great tweet from Dave Kluge who said, like, the Bears are are simultaneously ruining Justin Fields' development and ruining their draft stock for the next year all in one fell swoop, which is just, I mean, beautiful poetry by the Chicago Bears. My only thing on this game, it's kind of now or never time for Kadarius Tony. You mentioned uh, Sterling Shepard, Hurt, <sighs> still puking uh, over that one. You know, they're running out like David Sills and Richie James. Kenny Galladay can't catch a pass. Kadarius Tony still has injury issues. We know that, but like, if he's not going to get on the field at this point, like it, it's, I think we're probably already at like a, it's enough already territory with Kadarius Tony, but like I kind of think we're, it will definitely be there if he doesn't play in this one. Yeah. Can he get healthy and can he produce? Man, I got to admit, if, if Phil's were lighting it up, it'd make this Lance situation even more absolutely unbearable for me. But um, I do hope, do you think it is, it's on him or because of the new coaching staff? Or is it the situation? Are you more concerned he doesn't about look good. Is, He doesn't look good. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. One quick before we leave about Herbert. Uh, before we move on to the next game, number one in the NFL in explosive rush rate. That's t- uh, carries that go for 10 yards or more. And after Montgomery left last week, he was third among all running backs in route involvement, too. So yeah. as a receiver, too. So, man, I mean, he he looks special uh, that he, like, he can overcome a horrible uh, environment. And certainly in a week in which, you know, they're facing another bad team. So I really love Herbert if he gets this. Really, I hope he gets an opportunity. Uh, I don't want to see Montgomery suffer serious injury. But, man, Herbert just deserves more carries. 100% man I completely agree with you um, alright let's move to Sunday Night Football we're also getting news as we are recording this that this game 
is going to be played in Tampa as scheduled. Okay. Um, you know, shout out to everybody who, um, you know, my mom lives in Naples. My mom, my stepdad live in Naples, Florida. Like it's a crazy situation down there, man. So we're just, we're obviously thinking of like real life implication stuff beyond football. Like this game is going to play in and be played in Tampa, but everybody, you know, in, uh, especially the western part of Florida, you know, Naples, Fort Myers can hit pretty hard. So, uh, you know, my family's okay. That's great. Other people I know are, you know, suffering. So it's it's tough, man. Uh, we're just real stuff going on right beyond football. So, um, totally. You know, th- thoughts to thoughts to everybody that is there, and obviously hope that we can all kind of come together and help out that area. Um, but for on this football game, Chiefs minus one and a half at Buccaneers, forty five and a half total. Uh, man, this uh, this game is uh. Probably not what we would have expected at the start of the season. No, it's not. My note I said is, do you consider benching the number four fantasy back on the air? That's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, given your, <laughs> you, you, I have him as my RB31 this week, so you absolutely could have an alternative here. The Bucks have seeded the fewest fantasy points to running backs, one of three teams yet to allow a rushing score. Um, but McKinnon has had a higher snap percentage in all three games this year. Uh, Edwards-Hilaire only had a 21% snap percentage in the second half last week. You know, the three touchdowns on 34 touches is just not sustainable there. So if you have alternatives, this is the week that, to consider them given the matchup. I mean, Edward Solaire just does not look, uh, he doesn't look anything special, any better than Pacheco either. Yeah, I think Pacheco eventually gets time uh, in this. I think even Ronald Jones could get back in our lives at some point. I mean, CEH is like literally every fantasy analyst out there is like, sell CEH high, sell CEH high. I hope your buddies in your league aren't uh, aren't no. listening to all those articles, right? If you're really trying to tell tell say, sell him high or whatever, so uh, we'll see. I agree with you. I think he's probably he's not a guy I'm like I'm trying to start right now if I have him on my roster, and I don't I actually don't know if I have. I might have one Ceh team, you know, where he falls to like the eighth round or whatever, and you know, we'll see. Um, for me, it's Mike Evans. Is he right back at the top of the pecking order here um, at the at the wide receiver rotation? I mean, that was embarrassing. What was going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week? Week. Scotty Miller can't play. They signed Cole Beasley off the street, and you know Russell Gage looks like he's playing like seventy five percent full health. So, um, you know, I was so big on Mike Evans coming into this year, and you know things have been fine to start the year, but he's only played in like one and a half games so far. So, um, I want to see Mike Evans come in here and turn in like a dominant performance against a Chiefs defense that you know Chiefs defense has been been fine so far the first few weeks like there there's been some mistakes or 16th and drop back success rate allowed like kind of middle of the pack no man's land there so i want to see mike evans have a big game here yeah godwin returned to a limited practice this week uh definitely let's see the the health of them uh but yeah evans he would he has had a suspension meanwhile my guy gabe davis might be battling an ankle injury all week so all year i mean so my bet with you i i fear uh, I fear that Gabe one. Davis, that, 11 and a half or like 11.7 target target percentage. Not uh, great. So far I know. I know. I know. I know. That's 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 not not ideal. I know Evans Evans, too. When he last played, it was it was up there, too. So and that was part of my argument against him. So, yeah, that should be a good good uh, good to know about. They're not relocating here. I, I was curious about that. What about um? what about Tom Brady? How's he doing these days? Uh, well, any thoughts? Uh, should on we Tom talk? Brady? Yo, we got to talk about this whole this whole Tom Brady thing, because you and me and uh, Lord podcast talked about it yesterday. Is Tom Brady cursed? It's worth wondering. Um, you know, I consulted with my wife on this one because she say she's um she's aware of the witchcraft world. Let's put it that way. There's all these rumors out there. There's all these stories, like literal stories, are are published about how Giselle, 
is like a you know a witch like she does protection spells and she do all these you know and when people say witch like for you goofballs out there like don't know what i'm talking about i'm not saying she's like the wicked witch of the west or you know she's like the snow white witch poisoning apples or something like that right so let me just be clear about that but she would do a lot of you know mystical type protection things on tom brady on the teams that he was playing with and now of course there's it's no secret that their marriage is certainly not questionable on the injury report right if you want to put it that way that's been well publicized this year since he returned to the nfl that she's not happy about that and that you know they might be not even living together at this point anyways hate speculating about that somebody uh somebody's life but whatever now it's worth wondering if she's not doing all that stuff for the team anymore is that why we've seen brady not look so great Everybody on this team is injured. I mean, Dalton, the entire offensive, and it's like cluster injuries at spots that would affect Tom Brady, right? Offensive line, skill position players. Is, is Tom Brady cursed? Yeah, I mean, to go from always just just blessed with not only health, but always in, happens to be, just happens to be in the in the weakest division of the NFL, no matter what team he's playing for. It just happens yeah. to seem to go that way. But now, suddenly, when, when Giselle and he are having problems, yeah, the uh, lo and behold, a ton of injuries. All Specifically, you're right, I didn't even think of that. Specifically to the wide receiver group and the left tackle and center positions. <laughs> that, right. Yeah, it really makes you think, yeah, no, that's, that is, yeah, it's, it's the actual positions that affect him the most, too, so. It's something yeah, it's I'm not as if they've on. had not as if they've had injuries at like middle linebacker, right? right. Uh, yeah. You know, or or kicker or whatever. You know, the special teams unit just d- destroyed. Remarkably by healthy, injuries. in fact. Yeah, the rest of the team remarkably yes. healthy, except for the clusters all at the two positions. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. This like I said, I pay attention to. It's something to pay attention to. I, I, like I said, I consulted my wife about this last night. Um, you know, can't book her on the podcast because you know she's. I don't want that in my life, um, but <laughs> uh, she, she is definitely she's she's giving me the green light that this is this might be a thing. This might be a thing to to, to keep our eyes on. Uh, of course, Chris Godwin could be coming back healthy, but it, I mean, they push him to come back so early. He's not even like a compensation injury either. It's just like, oh, pop his hamstring. You know, they signed Julio Jones injured. Russell Gage injured. Mike Evans suspended. Offensive line destroyed by injuries so i don't know this whole tom brady giselle witchcraft situation it's it's worth keeping our eyes on and we we here at the yahoo fantasy football forecast promise to be at the forefront of this discussion and this news story so you keep it here to me and dalton for all of your uh all of your witchcraft needs love it even perryman's questionable missing practice i mean it yeah. just doesn't stop <laughs> i mean it doesn't stop it doesn't stop. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last game we've got to talk about here. Uh, we've saved your 49ers for the end here, Dalton. They're favorites in this game, one and a half points at home, 42 over under. Dalton's, <laughs> Dalton's thing for on this game is bet the under. Yeah, I'll be subjecting myself to this going to this game. The over-under opened at 47 and a half. It's down to 42, so really don't really. The closing line value is bad, but um, man, this I expect. This has 30 to 17 written all over it. Uh, the Niners have allowed an NFL low 3.9 yards per play. Here's the the tight ends have combined for six targets, three catches, 23 yards over three games. Um, the 49ers uh, tight ends. The, the again, opponents. 
Sorry, oh, tight ends oh, against the 49ers. Sorry. I saw Hayden Winks tweet out his like fantasy usage graphic. I'm pretty sure they're second to last only to the, the freaking Bears in tight end fantasy usage. Oh, right wow, now. that too. Yeah, offensively, they ignore George Kittle as well. Yes, that is true. <laughs> and a tough matchup for Jeff Wilson here. Rams, a top five run D. Do you know that there were rumors in Niners circles that Tevin Coleman would have been the RB2 if not for his sickle cell he has and because they, they played in Denver oh, last week. Yeah. So, I mean, don't be shocked if Tevin Coleman is a Niners RB2 this week, even though I have Jordan Mason everywhere. But so it's, uh, I mean, just Jimmy G's lack of practice or if you want to make that excuse, whatever the reason, he was awful last week. Now no Trent Williams. So, uh, But the Niners' defense looks really legit. And did you realize that over Matt Stafford's last six regular season games, he has 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Now he had a nice playoff run, of course, that counts when in the Super Bowl. But it's just they're struggling, Allen Robinson and, and all that. So I, I don't know. I just see this being a low-scoring game. Obviously, you're rolling with Cooper Cup. And, and But I'm benching Matthew Stafford and um, keeping my expectations lowered. Debo Samuel, an article came out that said Mike McDaniel, Peter King's claiming that Mike McDaniel was the secret to Debo's rushing success. Um, obviously, you're still using Debo. But bottom line, expectations keep uh, in check this week. It's going to be a low-scoring Monday nighter. Yeah, like the Rams offense really needs to get going. They had a couple of drives against the Falcons, but weren't even perfect there. And then their whole passing offense, other than like Ben Skoranek leaking out, like doing literally running sail routes from the fullback position. That was their that's like their best play and like a, a rushing play to Cooper Cup. Otherwise, they were mostly a disaster in that Cardinals game as well. And we know that they got shellacked in week one. Meanwhile, though, the 49ers ranked number one in dropback success rate allowed. They ranked number four in dropback in rushing success rate allowed. Like this defense is not the get right spot that the Rams need. And I mean, the Rams always get their ass kicked by the 49ers, too, right? Like, isn't I'm 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 a little yeah. I, I always I lose track of like who owns who in the NFC West, but I'm pretty sure the 49ers yeah. own the Rams. Yeah, I that, knew that, that, that my Niners were due to lose a, the conference championship game because yes, they had won like five straight against the Rams. Yes, so yeah, and it's it's the typical Niner get right after a, looking totally ugly last week in that game in which their offense somehow scored ten points, their defense allowed nine points, and they lost. And where the Rams are coming off a couple wins, and they're they're kind of masking a lot of problems, the issue. Like you said, they yeah. faced a, a Arizona league worst defense recently. You know, so and I they didn't even look that good. Right, right, totally. Both these teams are, are have major issues on offense and pretty good defense. By the way, uh, the Rams are shutting. They have a bunch of injuries on corner other than Ramsey, yet they're playing really well too. So, um, or at least la- recently they have. So, um, I, I expect a low scoring game. Got smoked by Marquise Brown. You're, though, you're, last you're right. Week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's just I think guys like. We, I mean, yeah, you're probably stuck playing Debo, even though it's not, he's not done much. And Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan was even like, yeah, we're not taking anybody surprise by surprise with the whole like Debo rushing stuff like we maybe were last year. Although that is an interesting point that even last season when McDaniel was in the national spotlight as he was getting coaching interviews and, you know, he just was getting more attention. That was the talking point was that he and Debo would sit down and craft the running game game plan. So this isn't even like a new theory by Peter. King. I mean, I would just say like he's the mastermind of it. Or he was the key to it. Maybe not. But he was certainly a big part of, of putting that together. So that this that's a good thing to point out. But I mean, for the non like for the fringy guys on these two teams, not really gassed up to start Cam Akers, even though he's like started to sort of take the backfield back over he also fumbled at the goal line to end that last game we don't know if he would have you know been punished for that or whatever because the game was pretty much over by that point 
Allen Robinson, I mean, oh my God, like, I don't did know. Did you see like, the back-to-back plays at the goal line last week where he dropped one and then he what? The dro- oh, but did I see, did I, mean, I see the uh, drop? Did I see ugly. the drop? Yeah, that Man. was, that was, that was ugly. Had a pretty big catch later on in the game where he got tackled at the one yard line and then Cam Akers fumbled it. I'm pretty sure that was how that, that sequence went. But, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Robinson, it's just like, it's, he's just clearly not fully integrated there and, it definitely looks like he's a step slower than he used to be. I'll, I'll, I'll cop to that. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. The, the Rams need like some, a little more juice other than Ben Skoranek as a fullback in their offense right now, but this is really not the spot to do it. And then on the 49ers side, like Brandon, Ayuk, I think you know, it's going to be, a, a, there are going to be plays left on the field because it's Jimmy Garoppolo, but I feel pretty good about Ayuk in this game. Cause, uh, they do, get burned uh, you know on some deeper passes they can get they can get burned on like crossing routes over the middle of the Rams defense uh so I don't know it's not the worst spot to use Ayuk not the worst spot to use Allen Robinson because he gets all those goal line targets he gets red zone targets end zone targets like they're clearly trying to get him going but I don't know man not the best not the best fantasy game I agree with you on betting the under at this one They've been using Ayuk all over the field, and I don't like to make excuses for Jimmy G. Especially, yeah, boy, people—it's a weird spot for Niners fans. Though he's laughing after the game, smiling, and and there's footage of him yelling, the play calling. But man, he's dismissed. He made so many just egregious, yeah, awful Jimmy, plays. Shut up. Step up into the pocket one time, uh, man. Just uh, but and no there Trent is Williams ex- now. Yeah, I know. No, there is a, there is an excuse though that he was coming off shoulder surgery and was uh, lack of practice time. There's at least a little bit of that, but but boy, he should know the system and all that, and it was ugly. It's bad. I mean, that's why. Yeah, uh, you know, part of me it was, was like, like same old Jimmy Dalton. Like, what if he, excuses? Like he he uh, let that that I've seen uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo game I, fifty times. I was in a weird spot where if Jimmy Garoppolo looked great on Sunday night, I was going to get irritated as a Lance guy because there was this narrative that like, oh, it quietly saved their season, you know, and all this. I'm like, dude, no, it might have. I get why maybe the point spread moved a couple points for this week, but long term upside, you just saw it. I mean, again, I mean, Garoppolo ain't it. So, yeah, very frustrating. He might he might have been better than the other backups, but it's still a devastating (sighs) loss to Trey Lance, (laughs) not for fantasy managers, but also people who root for the 49ers because boy, Garoppolo looked awful. This is like a, the 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 pain of being a, a a real fan is that like that is a no that's a lose lose situation for you even if like your team wins you're like well shoot but then this guy did it and then it proves all those like yeah I don't know it's a that's a tough one for you Dalton and obviously that's the big point of the podcast is is how does Dalton feel about the 49ers yeah so, thanks uh, for more therapy good talking with you sorry if you ran long good stuff uh yeah good luck with everyone's matchups. previews always run long yeah good luck to everybody out there in week four but that is gonna do it for us. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following the at Yahoo Fantasy account for fantasy news and perhaps some fun. Maybe you never know. If you'd like to support the show, we'd love it. If you would make sure you leave a five star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. It would go a long way to helping us out. And of course, if you don't like the show, you just tell me that directly. Everyone's not for everyone. I'm not for everyone. Dalton should be for everyone, though, so there is that. Scott Pienowski also should be for everyone, and he's going to be back on Monday morning with a recap of the weekend action. Until then, we're out. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.